When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Go get that first down, then get a touchdown. Rock em, suck em. Welcome to another edition of the Purple Podcast. We are at U.S. Bank Stadium after the Vikings' 30-24 win over the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday. I'm Ben Gessling from ESPN.com, joined by Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad of 1500 ESPN. We are covering the first Vikings victory since before the bye week when they beat the Houston Texans here. They are back in the win column and not a moment too soon before they head to the the Motor City on Thursday to take on the Detroit Lions in a game where first place in the NFC North is at stake. The Vikings, of course, will have a chance to claim first place for themselves once again on Thursday because of what they did here on Sunday, thanks in no small part to a 100-yard interception return from Xavier Rhodes and a 104-yard kick return touchdown from Cordero Patterson. Guys, what would you think? Well, I think that these results are not really that sustainable and that if they play like they did today again with the first half and how Arizona moved the ball and how the offense performed overall three yards per carry and less than 200 yards passing it's going to be tough to win a lot more games if you get any good opponents and I think Detroit's a halfway decent opponent that you just can't rely on 100 yard kick returns and 100 yard interceptions I mean I'm not taking anything away from the guys who made those big plays but the things that are issues were still issues today. They just came out on top as opposed to the last two weeks where the games look kind of like this. There was just no giant interception for touchdown. I sense an enormous immediate sigh of relief followed by the fact that everyone with the Vikings knows if they don't win on Thursday, today means little. And so basically this is a quick two-game swing of you either reclaim the division lead and go into the day after Thanksgiving feeling really good about yourself, or you say, well, we beat the Cardinals on Sunday, but th- then we came back and lost at Detroit on Thursday, and so we're still doubting, and I-, I wouldn't say a mess, but we are certainly not where things were 43 days ago, by the way. I looked it up 
counted it off 43 days as the last time the Vikings won going in, into the bye week against Houston. Uh, but my sense is this. My sense is this victory did give them a bit of a, whew, that felt good, followed by a realization that if you don't come back in Detroit and win, you feel like, okay, here we go again, doubting themselves. Yeah, and I think that Detroit game, I mean, obviously they should have won that game the first time. They did not. Thanks, Blair Walsh. But I, I think that was one of those games where you look at it and say, if you're looking, if you're them, you're looking back on it saying, we can beat that team. We we felt like we should have beat them the first time, and we didn't, obviously, and, and the Lions were able to do another a number of things at the end of that game that, that took advantage of, of what the Vikings wanted to do. But uh, I would think if you're the Vikings, you're not sitting there saying, this is out of reach. I, I think they to get a little bit of confidence back today was was a a big thing for them. I mean, going into that game 5 and 5 on a five game losing streak would have been uh, a potentially disastrous recipe, but yeah, now they're back on track and, and we'll see if they can sustain it. I mean, there's always this temptation to say, well, they had issues and it gets covered up by the fact they made some big plays and and I agree with that and that's a lot of what I wrote after the game as well, but we have to give some credit to the the plays these guys made, right? I mean, the the play from Xavier Rhodes is one we've seen him not make a number of times when he's had that opportunity in the past and obviously makes another big interception. And then in the, the Cordero Patterson kick return, I think was a reminder of, of how dangerous he can be, you know, to get those plays. Those, those have not, the big plays have not gone their way in recent weeks, whether it's mm-hmm. the lions or the, or the bears, the big plays have gone against them. So, to get those, I think, was was a good step for them in that direction. I think the uh, best news coming out of this one for the Vikings is that the second-half defense was their old defense. Yep. I mean, that that's what it looked like against Houston, and that's what it's looked like. 27 uh, yards against, right? Yeah, I mean, the yeah, right. Second half. Yeah, it was so dominant. I mean, four sacks against Carson Palmer when they had none in the first half, and David Johnson went for 89 yards in the first half and then ends with 103 Larry Fitzgerald, we were sitting up there watching this game thinking, oh, gosh, this is this is the game where a number one wide receiver really smokes them, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Larry Fitzgerald was in Hall of Fame form in the first half, and then when it was totally shut down in the second half, the front four did what the front four has not been doing over the last few weeks. And if that means that they're all healthy, which I wondered about Linval Joseph at times and his shoulder, or if it's schematic, or if it was just the fact that it was Arizona. But at least we know that that has not disappeared. Speaking of health, let's openly speculate here. What's Ooh, wrong with fun. Anthony Barr? Anthony Barr is not healthy, guys. There's no way. And it's, you know, Zimmer was asked about this two weeks ago and basically said, well, no, he's making plays, just not splash plays. But when you watch this guy, I believe two years ago I said he was the instrumental factor to this defense, that his ability to move around and make plays made this defense special. Anthony, I often refer to him as the knife edge of it. Yeah, thank you very much, Ben Gessling. But Anthony Barr now is, for the most part, sometimes sort of a factor. Yeah. But And you cannot convince me that, what, three years in, he just all of a sudden has fallen off. I got to think that there's a lingering issue here that's taken him from – top-level playmaking type of guy to, okay, he can play a lot, but the impact is almost gone, right? I was sort of hoping you were going to go with I gots to think. I could have. Yeah, I was hoping for that. I could have. I tried to clean that up, though, yeah. with, with my pristine Benilde St. Margaret's education, which, by the way, my boys will be playing here next Friday for the Prep Bowl title. Who That's great. Thought we're it? happy for you. Who, Who would have thought? thought? Those plucky underdogs But Anthony Barr, to me, is an interesting story because this guy was a guy that you looked at three years ago and said, the defense rotates around him, 
And now I think more times than not, when we talk about him, it's when something sort of went wrong or he didn't make a play. Against Washington, there was a play that uh, I noticed on film where a center was coming out to block him and went low, and he had a chance to grab the running back and, and take him down with his arms, and the running back just ran through him, more or less. There's been a little bit of that. He hasn't had that same explosiveness that he might have had in the past, and I've thought the same thing. I mean, I was expecting this year, especially with all the talent around them that sort of built up to this great defense, the front four, the secondary, that this would be the year he would just thrive and really take off and, and be considered one of the league's best. But we have not seen that really at all. In fact, we saw today, I thought in the first half, guys, that they were actually targeting him, that they were actually kind of going after him in the middle of the field. Yeah, a lot of the short stuff they were running seemed to be heading that way. And I think they probably thought okay if we throw I mean some of it you're throwing in front of that zone that the Vikings were playing but they also I think felt like and we've seen a few teams do this that we can find some things in front of these linebackers they I mean, we, that was that's kind of a throwback to what we saw with Anthony Barr as a rookie where a lot of teams would throw at him and you see teams starting to do a little bit more of that now yeah I, whether he's healthy or not I mean they haven't had him on, on the injury report with anything substantive in recent weeks but he has been a guy that's that had has had knee issues in the past and and uh has always kind of been one of those guys that seems like he's dealing with something so wouldn't be completely surprised if that were the case um not quite sure where that wouldn't be in the injury report but um (laughs) you know teams have a way of making those things go away when they don't feel like talking about them not to to say that the vikings are necessarily doing that i just I, i wouldn't be terribly surprised if that were the case but uh yeah, he certainly has not been the same kind of guy that he was or has been when he's been at his best. Speaking of uh, defense, though, something that Mike Zimmer said that caught my ear uh, in his postgame press conference, he talked about how he wanted to blitz more in the second half, and the players were telling him, no, 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 we've got it. Don't blitz. Keep doing exactly what you're doing. And I And he mentioned this earlier in the week how – when you start to lose, things start to slip through your fingers, you try to do too much, and it doesn't just apply to the players. He said it applied to him too. In the second half, You know, I'm sure we'll go back and look at it on tape and find that they weren't blitzing, and that was more reminiscent of what they did early this year where they weren't blitzing all the time. It was kind of occasional with Harrison Smith or with Anthony Barr, and uh, they, they were dropping uh, into coverage more often and having more success that way. You know, in some ways... I mean, Mike Zimmer's never been a coach that blitzes a lot. I mean, statistically, he has not been a guy. He's not the Cardinals. He's not Dom Capers. He's not Dick LeBeau, where they're they're throwing blitzes all the time and everything's zone blitz after zone blitz. He's not Jim Johnson, anything like that. He's typically been a lower blitz type guy. And that was sort of interesting to see that change early this year. And I think they've done some of it because they believe that they can cover behind there. But... In some ways, it almost feels like it's been maybe at first. I have a lot of toys. I'm going to see what I can do with them, and that that worked. But you kind of get at that mode, almost like he said, as a coach, where you're trying to make one play that can change an entire game rather than just going about your your business. And their front four is good enough that they should be able to get pressure with that group. And we saw Daniil Hunter really come back to what he can be today. We saw Brian Robinson have a sack. We saw Everson Griffin with a sack. Um, you know, they, they were able to get pressure with that group, but they can cover well enough on the back end too that they should be the type of team that if they decide we're going to rush four and 
play coverage behind it, that that should work for them. I think we also see in this game that there's a huge difference when the Vikings have all their defenders versus if one piece is missing. If one linebacker is missing, if somebody from the secondary is missing, I know Terrence Newman was kind of limited in how often he played today, and Trey Waynes had his ups and downs moments, but if one guy is out, Mm -hmm. then everything seems to change. Even when it was Andrew Sandejo for the game against the Bears, he was the only guy out, and yet it seemed like they took advantage of him very quickly. Today, they had everybody back, and I think it showed. I think the one thing, too, the dynamic that's interesting about this and in Zimmer's third year, but really the first year with expectations, too, is I think what we've seen, and I think the lesson to be learned from the four-game skid is this. Everyone needs to stop pressing at times, too, because I think Zimmer tells his team don't press, but he admits he's guilty of the same thing as well. Yeah. And so the, that's what I'm saying is if you can now go to Detroit and win, I think everybody eases up. And the one thing about this skid was you sensed that at every moment it was becoming this grueling, we got to press to do this. I thought Zimmer's quote last week was telling and important in not a good sense. When he said, you know what, we're just going to work this thing out, and I'm going to come in at, what, 3 o'clock or 3.14 or 3... It's like, Mike, this is not a question of working. This is a question... Yeah. You know what's wrong Never an here. issue with working. Exactly. With and But saying that, that you're going to get up or not go to sleep and work means that you're pressing. And that's the important thing with this team and the coach. I think they need to understand that when things start to go wrong... Pressing is not going to help. What's going to help is to take a deep breath and relax. And I think if you can now go to Detroit and win on Thursday, it takes a major step towards going back to, okay, we're not a great team, possibly, but we're good and we know what works. And I really think that they got into this vicious cycle of being like, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's call this play. It's like, no, that's not the key thing. The key thing here is to let up and understand that if your system works, it's going to work, especially defensively for these guys. Yeah. And you talk to people who are just around the building, not even in the football department, they'd say, yeah, it's been pretty tense to work around here simply because the team's in a losing streak and and Mike Zimmer talks a lot about you know these, these four stages of of learning and learning how to be successful. There's sort of a, a corollary to some of this about learning how to lose and not have it feel like the world is crashing down on you. That hey, we're a good team. We're going to be a good team again. We lost today. Not that big of a deal. I mean, that was not when they first lost that game to the Eagles. That was not the tone. It was like this team has some deep and concerning flaws and we have to fix them right now it wasn't just hey we had a bad day but we know who we are and we're going to be fine you internally if you feel that your offense played in philly a bad game and thought and thought that they were soft i can see internally going in and talking to players but as much as we enjoyed him articulating that that's not something i think after one loss you publicly come out and say right yeah, i mean calling football lot... players soft is a grenade right it's not just uh, oh man he he called a soft it's he called a soft and so i think if you're going to launch that grenade you might do it at some point but one loss is not the time to do that and he was a lot different after the the subsequent three losses sure. too but but it was almost too late yeah it seemed too much I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like too much, and you're right. It almost seemed like the, the the effect had been put into place. But now that they win, yeah, there was – I mean, you know, that becomes a cliche about it's a relief to win. But you did kind of feel that today, that there was a, a little bit of we needed to get out of this because it was becoming something that was building on itself. And, and to go into Detroit 5-5 five and five 
If you lose that, then you're coming back here five and six against possibly the best team in the NFC, and then you are in a lot of trouble. So, yeah, certainly getting a win today or a relief is probably as cliche as it is. Uh, it certainly applies to this situation. I think that maybe some of that even started going back to the Detroit game where all of them felt like they should have had a win there, but the stupid kicker missed it. Or what did Peyton Manning call him? Our idiot kicker. Our, our idiot kicker. Idi- yes. Drunk. Got Thank liquored you. up. Our idiot, our idiot kicker. Because yeah, he was well, drunk and Canadian. The, uh, the kicker today had no problem with a 27-yard field goal. Yes, um, he did. Right down the middle from a Kai Forbath. From the right hash, there, not the left. There but. was, um, <laughs> yeah, there was a, a blocked extra point. We'll, we'll let Mr. Forbath go on that one. But uh, when it comes to the identity of the team, I think that's kind of what we're getting at here of, you know, if you're the best team in the league and you all think that, and you just think, we're, we're too talented to lose too many games, and then you have that Philadelphia loss, you don't come out and start calling your team soft. Not publicly. Because right. you would have said, look, it's one game. We'll move on from it. I mean, even uh, Carolina went 15-1 and last year, and they had one game where they just played, like, not so good. And every team's going to have that. So if you believe, oh, we're this year's 15-1 and team, then you're not overreacting that way. They knew that the writing was on the wall for some of the problems. And I think that they've basically gotten to a point where they've done the best they can to solve those problems. And now we know exactly what this team is. We know what they can be defensively, which is very, very, very good, but not untouchable. We started calling them untouchable. And then I heard two different times people saying, well, guys, we're not the 85 Bears. Not sure why you guys thought we were the 85 Bears. Like, you know, it's always kind of turn it back in our direction. But, you know, right, you're not untouchable defensively. We saw that today. Uh, you are limited offensively. But if you do the right things offensively like they have with Pat Shermer, then you have a chance to win a good number of games. How good, guys, uh, can this offense be? Because I, I feel today was – it. The wins are sort of lipstick on a pig because there's still elements that, that don't work. The wildcat formation and the flip to Patterson and then Bradford was lined up far right and they got it back to Bradford and the throw downfield to draw the P.I. was all nice. But now that's out there. That's on film. So that, that doesn't mean that you can't run creative things again and especially from that formation. But when we're talking about this defense now, starting with Detroit and then going Dallas, going into these games where is this offense at right now? Still, by the way, averaging 2.7 yards per carry on the ground after today. Yeah, I, they did run it a little better today. Um, as Mike Zimmer said after the game, that bar is not terribly difficult to clear. 3.0 average today, yes. Right, which is better than they've been in recent weeks. Yeah, I mean, you like some things that they did. I mean, you like the involvement with Adam Thielen. Um, Cordero Patterson, they actually have a plan for him now. I, I can't believe it would have been this hard to come up with this plan in the past. I think some of that was them trying to prove a point to him that if you're not going to come out and work the way that you need to work, then we're not going to use you. But be that as it may, that you know, they, they seem to have a plan now. I like where they're at with, with some of those guys. The, the running game still is an issue when – you have opportunities to close games out, and you're still not really able to move the ball and sustain drives like you have to do it. The silver lining with a running game is that Adrian Peterson may be coming back. Now, the offensive line is going to continue to be an issue, and that's going to be a problem. But if you have Adrian Peterson, you at least are going to be able to have something else where defensive coordinators have to pay attention to it, and that helps everything else. And from what I had heard over the weekend, Peterson – 
seems to be on track. It seems like he is he's getting closer. It sounds like he's going to be able to do start doing some running on a more significant level this week. Could be what I'd heard maybe another three to four weeks, so that maybe puts him back. Colts game, Packers game, somewhere in there. So you could have him for the last couple, could have him into the stretch run for the playoffs. That would certainly provide a boost to that running game and would provide something else to think about. But the offensive line is still going to be what it is. There right now is no big play threat really on this offense. Yeah. Even as good as Stephon Diggs has been. Yeah. And he's had a couple of plays. There was the one in Chicago where he's open and it, it just it's an, an inch too far or he didn't run quite the right route or whatever it was. There was a couple of plays against Green Bay where, you know, it was a throw down the field, one against New York. It shouldn't be this easy to remember, though, every single big play of the season. <laughs> but you there, can. But I can. And today there's a 30-yard reception from Cordero Patterson, and that's great. You watch the better offenses in the league, not even the best ones, and they've got far more explosive plays happening of more than 20 yards. So if you're going to score now for the Vikings offense, you have to plod down the field for the most part or get three personal foul penalties by the other team in one drive, which happened today. Um, Yeah. We we could talk about the refing later. But the point just being that Adrian Peterson is a big play threat. And you know that if he comes back and he is healthy 100%, that there will be times where he breaks one off for 50 yards, even if the offensive line didn't do their job. There's a party on our podcast, and you're invited. Hey, everyone, Anthony Maggio here. Join me, Bo Mitchell, and John Tuvey every Thursday through Week 16 of the NFL season for 1500 ESPN's Fantasy Football Party Podcast. Whether you're an office league novice or swimming with the DFS Sharks, we've got all the analysis and mostly dated cultural references you need to make you a winner. Find us on Podcast One, 1500ESPN.com, or subscribe on iTunes today. Okay, so simple question. What does Adrian Peterson look like in Pat Schirmer's offense then? Because this thing, now, now I do contend that Pat Schirmer's had his fingerprints on this thing all season long, but this was Norv and sort of Pat's deal. I mean, this is now Pat's offense entirely for the most part. What does Adrian Peterson look like in an offense that he didn't begin the season and certainly has not played in in the past couple of years previously look like? The role will have to be different. I think there's no doubt about that. They're going to be in a different set of just a different set of personnel packages than what he's been used to. The thing I do like, I guess, is that there are more zone runs in this offense now than there were maybe with Norv Turner. I mean, it's less of the power stuff. And Adrian Peterson's made his living on zone runs where he can choose to follow where the play is supposed to go or bounce it back against the grain and turn it into a big play. Now you have to create some room for him, and that – has been an issue and it was a little bit less of one today. I thought Jarek McKinnon had a little more juice. I mean, I thought he looked healthier. He looked like he had a little more spring in his step, but you will have to to still create room for these guys to run. Boys, here's the interesting dynamic too, because Peterson played in a version of the West Coast offense when Childers was here yep. and he was drafted by the Vikings. Dare I say this? Could Peterson Peterson's style since the day he was drafted has been I'm going to get the ball and run. He yep. hates to. He's not good at dancing, and he's not good at allowing holes to open up. Which, when you have a good offensive line, is counterproductive. With a bad offensive line, could he somehow be best served here? Because he's going to get the ball and just run. Yeah. And if there's a if there's a hole that by the grace of God is there, he's going to take <laughs> it. Could the fact that he because because McKinnon's issue I think sometimes is he dances. 
So he yeah. waits. He waits, and if if they had a good offensive line, a hole might open for him, and he would be rewarded for that. But could Matthew Adrian Peterson actually be in a situation where if you just give him the ball and, and he takes off, this offensive line is bad enough that he could benefit from it? I it don't, sounds silly, but I, I don't think that this offensive line is helping anybody do anything. <laughs> I, I, well put. I, I mean, today, once again, it's not just T.J. Clemmings giving up the strip sack, but it's run plays as well, just getting mauled on them. And if Peterson is, as soon as he's touching the ball, he's got somebody in his face. I mean, those. it's funny, we look at those bra- uh, broken tackle stats sometimes and things like that, but it always depends on whose tackle you're trying to break. Because if you're trying to break a defensive end or defensive tackle, or you're trying to break a cornerback, then it's a little different. I do think with Peterson running to the edges might be a little more possible because it it seems to me like they've been a little afraid of running to the outsides at all because the offensive line has been so bad and they're worried about negative plays. They're so concerned about losing yards on pitching it back to somebody that they just have kind of gone away from that completely. After you remember, I think it was Ronnie Hillman's first carry. He lost like six yards on a pitch to the outside. Well, maybe with Adrian Peterson, he doesn't lose those six yards. Maybe it's just a no gain or something like that. Not so, great with the pitch, though. But, uh, well, okay. A- but he's, him he's to better, catch the pigskin makes but he's me worry. better at everything than the, the guys who are playing now. Even if he's lost a step, he's better at absolutely everything, especially breaking tackles. Um, but I know that he can be a boomer bust type of guy throughout of his career. Um, can he be better because of a bad offensive line? Or no, I'm not or, saying. Or, no, no, I'm what? saying. I'm not saying. Can can he be better? I'm actually saying. Can his style? Could his style actually somehow work for occasional big runs because he never waits? Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I, I mean, it sounds crazy, but I'm just trying to hypothesize. But, I, I just think it's it's interesting, uh, guys, that this guy's going to be reintroduced to an offense that he sort of knows from a past incarnation, but certainly not this one. Yeah, when you talk about how he's going to fit in this offense, though, it's to me, it's well, the running backs just haven't been much of it anyway. I thought that Matt Asiata and Jarek McKinnon would be thrown to all the time, and they really haven't. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there's going to be a lot of things that when he comes back, they're going to have to work out. And I, I think the odds of him coming back at this point are are pretty high. I, from what it sounds like, I would expect that we will see him before the end of the year. And, and I think his intention is to be back here and try to help this team make the playoffs because, you know, that, that has been the goal the whole time for them to try to make a run. And it certainly helps him remind people of what he can be in this league at age 31. So we'll see how he fits back in. But I – yeah, I mean, I wonder if you get into a situation where you use him in some kind of a timeshare, I guess. I mean, it, you know, that that's odd to talk about, but there are going to be situations where you have different options that may be a better fit. So do they get to that point? I mean, that's going to be an interesting question to, to answer here in the next month or so of the season, and, and they're not going to have a lot of time to figure that out before they're playing games that their playoff fate hinges on so that's going to be interesting to, to watch that but yeah they're going to have a lot of things to figure out in in fairly short order and uh the all the moving pieces in this offense this season don't help establish any continuity there i, I will continue to ask the question when adrian peterson if he's set to return for let's say the last two games or so will sam bradford be upright because bradford i think was sacked only twice today but he took another ungodly yeah, hit he did. and he he's no kidding he can't move but that hit that he took 
that's the type of, you know, if, if it's a little bit different here or there, that's a hit where he's out for a while. So I'm, I am, I'm curious if he's healthy when Peterson gets back and if he's not, if Peterson says, you know, it's been really great, guys, but I'll see you in 2017 somewhere. I thought the, the line in the first part of the game today was better, but late in the game it was the same issue where Sam Bradford had pressure in his face and had pressure around the edges. I mean, it, it was a lot of the same stuff we've seen, and, and that does not leave you feeling much better about where the line is and it's going to be what it is. I I don't think there's any magic solution coming through here, but uh I I thought at least for the first half of it they were they were better about protecting him than they had been in the last few weeks at least. I don't know if it has to be exactly as bad as it is, but they really seem committed to TJ Clemmings and let's see now there was another player recently who they were committed to even though they knew there were some serious problems and it ended up costing them a game being Blair Walsh and they almost were cost a game today because of their commitment to TJ Clemmings at the end of this game I mean they are up by six points giving the ball back away well, they're only up by six points because of that strip sack, and they're giving the ball back away on a punt at the end of the game with a chance to lose it. And if the defense doesn't come through and stop Carson Palmer's drives twice, if not for a bizarre penalty on Tom Johnson, but they, they have to do that and shut them down on a final drive because T.J. Clemmings can't play. And when Alex Boone goes to Mike Zimmer and says, I can play tackle, even if he's one of the worst tackles in the league, with his talent, he's still much better than the guy that currently has that job. Alex Boone must be a really bad tackle. That's all I can figure out if they're not going to give him a chance to play there. But it is, I mean, you do, you get the feeling, or, or at least I do, that every game they get through with Bradford still being upright is a good thing because yeah. because he does, it's not the amount of times he's sacked, it's the hits he does take. And what concerns me about Clemmings is, when he's at left tackle, Sammy don't have a chance. At least TJ at right tackle, Sammy can keep, see it coming and get a little bit gun shy and do something about it. But when that comes from the blind side, man, he does not have a chance. And that hit he took on the strip sack today, that's a brutal hit. I mean, that's one he's going to feel for a couple days. And then, of course, they're going to turn around and play in Detroit on Thursday. Yeah, I don't know who your left tackle is if you put no, Clemmings I... on the right side. I mean, if you put Boone out there, then you have to find a new left guard too. I mean, all of that then leads to teams throwing all sorts of stunts and, and blisses on that side to see if you can pick them up. I mean, there's not a good option here. And it is the, what it the, is. The new guy they picked up, Rashad Hill, maybe at, you know at some point. He's got a big frame. I mean, yeah, maybe that helps you. I, it can't hurt to try it. But, I mean, you're, we've been talking about the best of the bad options We are for pining for the days of Mac Little, gentlemen, and that's all you need to know about this conversation. Yep pining for the pizza guy to come back. The guy that we all said, oh, good, he's gone, he's hurt, this will be fantastic. Now we take Mac a little back. We take him back without the pizza. We take him back sans the large pepperoni. This, uh, But it ties back into the big plays because if this offense needs to throw the ball down the field, I mean, I mean yeah, Pat Shermer's short pass offense has been about as good as anybody could have ever expected over these last couple of games. High percentage passing from Sam Bradford, good numbers, good quarterback ratings. But if you need to take a seven-step drop, I mean, what is, they were in third and long today and handed off. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and they got Pat, booed but by Pat, the crowd, but, but what can they but do? But he can't they do can't, it. If, right. Pat, if Pat Shermer goes for a significant play on a seven-step drop and Bradford gets annihilated, we're going to kill Pat Shermer for that and say, 
What were you thinking? Right. I mean, why'd you I go mean, back to being Norv? I mean, Norv Norv wanted to go back to hey, we've got playmakers, let's use them, which in theory is fantastic because Bradford can get the ball to them. But we came away saying you're going to get your quarterback killed, son. Stop being an, a moron about this. So there is the big play potential might be there, Ben, but there is no way to find it because if they do and he gets and Bradford gets hurt, we're going to dump on Mike Zimmer and uh, Pat Shermer. Yeah, I mean, that that would be the thing that could derail this thing quicker than anything else if Sam Bradford gets hurt. But and speaking of people that were tr- seemingly trying to get other people killed, what did we think of the refs today with, with all of those were they or were they not personal foul-type penalties on the Cardinals? The refereeing in this league just stinks. I mean, across the board, there might be a few good crews, but it's just not good, guys. I mean, it's not good. Uh, there's just so many, and and here's the thing: I will always default to the fact that I will defend them based on based on the on the idiots who go to the owners' meetings every March and come up with new rules, and, and they're like, "Let's slow that play down. Let's have have them enforce this and that." And if you're a ref now, you're not full time, and you've got a playbook that is ridiculously big. So I think they're paralyzed by by the rules of the game. But the sometimes we just see Morana calls. Just bad calls. Yeah, I, I hate to be that person, right? Because I always think, ah, there's bad calls in every game. I don't want to hear about it, guys. But in this game, I, somebody's got to get fined after this one or something. I mean, there were, there were just so many absurd personal foul calls. And then to go along with some questionable pass interference calls. Carson Palmer was not happy about the lack of a holding call on Captain Munnellen on the, on the interception return either. I saw him being pretty outspoken about that after the game. Also, there's the fact that Mike Zimmer had to use his challenges twice on two plays that really shouldn't have been that hard. I mean, yeah, I know it's a very yeah. fast game, but that's your job, right? It's like the kicker. Yeah, it's hard to kick it from 40 yards, but that's the job. Yeah, and here's what I don't get about that. Okay, if you're an official, if you get the job tomorrow and those two calls for touchdowns are your job, you call them touchdowns because you automatically are going to review those plays then, yeah. right? If yep. you're wrong, it's overturned upon review not challenge so in both those cases how do you not just call them touchdowns and then if you're wrong it gets called back and so it seems it seems to me that that these guys somehow make their lives more difficult by making calls where you say to yourself okay buddy call the Thielen touchdown a touchdown if you're wrong and it's one foot in one foot out or lack of control it's going to get called back yeah so he so they forced two challenges that they shouldn't have had to force. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that, too. I, th- I thought at least one of those they would have called a touchdown and then said, well, we're going to review it anyway. So it's no they have deal. to. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's automatic. I mean, I guess the only thing is that the rule would state that you have to have incontrovertible video evidence to overturn it. So if you call one thing one way or the other, you're putting the burden of proof on the other side of the call. So that would be the one reason if you think – that it's, for example, not a catch, you go with your gut there, I guess. But, yeah, the I was a little surprised that at least one of those did not get called a touchdown and then trigger the automatic review rather than forcing the Vikings to use two of their challenges there. And luckily, would, they won both of them. But. But yeah, but, I mean, then if they had had to use a couple more with this officiating crew, yeah. uh, they may have run out of that option. We only had with, one left even after one of the two. And with the personal fouls, the league is in just such a tough spot because they want to have everyone believe that they're all about player safety. Right? Yeah. We are protecting these quarterbacks. Sure you are, Raj. protecting the stars. Right, exactly. We are protecting these players now, and we've got concussion protocol and all this stuff. 
But when a guy is not out of bounds and is still fighting for yards and another person tackles him and you throw a flag, I, I mean, what, what are you supposed to say about that? Yeah, it was a hard hit. Maybe he even went a little higher than he should have. It's a rough it is, game. It is happening at full speed. Tom Johnson said this to me after the game. He said, like, my momentum is going right at that guy. He weighs 300 pounds and runs probably like a 4'8 or something. Like, you, you, this guy's just supposed to slam on the brakes. It's as like asking the, a semi to stop on a dime. Right, as the ball is just coming out of Carson Palmer's hand. And Johnson said, I even didn't hit him in the head. He probably could have, but he hit him directly in the chest. I don't know what you're supposed to do on some of these plays, but congratulations, you look a little bit percentage more like you're protecting the players, but at the same time, the game wasn't fair because of it. Well, even on the Bradford one. That was absurd. I mean, that one, I mean, what are you supposed to, I mean, what are Peterson, supposed right? to do? Yeah. Bradford yeah. split out yeah. in that wildcat. And Peterson hit him, and Bradford, of course, took a great dive. Right. I don't blame him. Right. But if that's Stefan Diggs at the receiver spot there, and Peterson hits him, which I'm sure happened, what, 50 times today or something? They, they're not going to call that. Yeah, I mean, that's just, it's silly. And I even had Vikings fans on Twitter saying, I don't know about that one. I mean, you know, generally fans of a team are, are going to base their opinion on the officials very closely on how many of their own right. team's calls benefited that team. But even they were saying, yeah, well, I'm, I'm a Vikings fan, but I don't know about that one. To Collar's point, too, don't give us this lip service about you care about your players and safety and blah, blah, blah. And don't the, play on Thursdays. The Thanksgiving Day games I do love, but – other than that, think about this schedule, okay? Yeah. And this is done every week now for two teams at, at least. It'll be done, what, for six teams on Thursday. You're talking about Sunday night, the coaches go back, don't sleep and prepare. Monday, you bring players in for basically what's two days of very important practice. Tuesday, I'm guessing you do the Friday practice. Wednesday, you're off. And on Thursday, you play a high-collision sport, which is brutal. Yep. Don't give me anything about player safety, and we've got to call that because it's, it might, someone might get hurt badly. When you're going to bring these guys back on Thursday, every Thursday now, and play games, which, by the way, are horse bleep because you're doing this so quickly. Well, and I even think that to do what they're doing after this game is a little bit suspect. I mean, because the thing you always tell teams that – Okay, you get Thursday, then you get the mini bye week. Well, okay, the Vikings get that eventually, but they've got to play two more games before they get the mini bye week because they are then playing the next Thursday against the Cowboys. So, I mean, yes, they get a full week to recover, but when you're coming off of a short week as it is, you'd probably like to have that 10-day break instead of seven between games. And I mean, even that feels a little bit like, uh, okay. I mean, I, I guess you're doing it in the sense that you're you're keeping two other teams from having to come back and go Sunday to Thursday the following week. Don't let them week. off the hook. It's a but, bunch of garbage. The yeah, whole Thursday I, I package. Don't, is I don't a like bunch that part of it very much. I, I and I don't. I wouldn't fault the Vikings if they didn't like that either. If you were a team that was running away with your division, play that Thursday game. Sit starters. I would do it. That's not a bad idea. I would do it. I mean, I would sit, sure. uh, sit my quarterback. I'd play the backup lineman. I would have sure. a few guys in there that maybe rotate in and out, and otherwise all key players would play maybe some of the first half or treat it like a preseason game. And, yep, you're going to lose. But if you're already two or three NBA games coach. up. Yep. Sure. You'd be like an, an NBA coach. Yeah, Popovich. no, absolutely. Greg Popovich and yeah. uh, Steve Kerr got criticized by fans for pulling Steph Curry and Clay Thomas uh, or Thompson out of a game. 
against, I think it was Denver. He actually wrote fans emails back apologizing who had traveled to see those guys. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's this, the smart money on health usually would be that, although the Vikings obviously are not in a position where they can yeah. do that against uh, Detroit or Dallas. But the Cowboys might be. I mean, depending on what happens the next couple of weeks here with the Giants and I mean, they're not going to have anything clinched yet, but if they're 9 and 1, well, I guess they're 9 and 1 now. If they're if they're 10 and 1 going into that Vikings game and you get another team that's got six or seven wins, I, you probably still don't do it, but I like it though. But if that were if they were going to be a team that would do it because you know that Whichever team does it, that owner is going to get a call from Roger Goodell. Right. In that case, that owner is going to say, "I don't care." I'm going to but do then what I you want. go. But then, you, then you leak that out that that you got a call from from Roger. So yeah. the media goes back to the commissioner and says, "How about it?" He's sort of stuck. Then, if there's any What's owner here, you wouldn't be scared to to go after. It's, it's a be disservice. Jerry Jones. It's a disservice to the fans not not to have guys play four days after they just played. He's going to look like an idiot no matter what yeah. if you're Roger Goodell. Yeah. Well, if I, I like were the that. Vikings this week, I might not have them do anything. I mean, other than your walkthroughs and other than your install, you just play it. Like you've you been, just play the Lions too. You've been right. Now. You've been playing all year. You put in the game plan. You go through the walkthroughs. I wouldn't even have them running around much other than just to stretch and anything else. I mean, I'm looking at um, over in hockey. The Columbus Blue Jackets decided, you know what? These morning skates, like. They're a thing of the past. It's when we, the guys were, you know, smoking cigarettes before games, and they decided to just throw them out. And keep in back-to-back games, they're one of the best teams in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Like, these guys keep themselves in such incredible shape. There isn't much that you have to do to go run them around and have them hit bags for, you know, 20 no. minutes uh, out at practice. I mean, I think that the coach who finds a way to do something a little bit different to get that little edge will win some of those Thursday night games when they've got to play them. Well, we will have a better sense of how the Vikings handled their short week on Thursday afternoon. We will be back with another, uh, I suppose, holiday edition. Well, how of... are we going to handle a short week? So much purple podcasting coming up. Yeah, there's a lot. I'm going to be tired because I'm going to do it on tryptophan. So oh, boy. A definite PED high for me, a tryptophan. I'll be going Sports against Grinch all be, types of uh, violations. I might, takes may not be as hot. I might Sports fall Grinch asleep. I, I don't know. Why is Matt Vensel dancing in the press They might be, right not now? be as hot, or they could be hotter because I'll be full of caffeine, too. Because uh, he likes to dance. He just was. Well, I guess he's, he's the dancing. The, he he's, dancing he's happy. The, uh, the Vikings won. He danced he's, on a fifteen hundred video. Uh, he uh, dances like no one's watching. Apparently, he does. Except Which somebody was watching, and now somebody's talking about it on the most popular uh, internet Vikings podcast out there. Certainly more popular than some of the other options. Does this mean we're done? Uh, it, it does mean we're done. We'll talk to you guys Thursday. Have a happy Thanksgiving. We will. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be checking in from Detroit. I think we'll have another edition Thursday, and then we will. Uh, actually, we'll probably have another edition before that. We'll probably you, preview. Yeah, you've got to do uh, Lions. Detroit Lions quarterbacks. Oh yeah, I got to see if I can keep my run going here. That's but a reason to do it. We'll uh, we'll keep the we'll keep that game going. We'll preview Lions Vikings probably Tuesday. We'll have another one Thursday, and then we will regroup. As it sounds like we very much need to do before Vikings Cowboys on December first. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.